Welcome to The Silver Screenings, a new podcast from Blind Buy Media. Thanks for joining us as we continue discussing films celebrating their 25th anniversary. Tonight, we go back to 1998 when Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore paired up for The Wedding Singer. Well, Matt, today uh, we are talking about The Wedding Singer. Uh, fun fact, I had actually never seen this movie from beginning to end until doing this podcast. So I'd seen every part of it, but never actually having sat down and watched the whole thing. Wow. Uh, so I'd seen a portion, then got up and left. I was at a party or something like that, and I would leave, or I'd catch it on TV, and it would already be in progress, and I'd watch. So I'd seen the whole thing, but actually this is the first time I actually saw it from the start to the end. It was uh, a movie that I remember seeing advertised. It's pretty popular with other people at school, but I never actually saw it from start to finish until just now. Well, it's it's the kind of movie that lends itself to being consumed in small pieces. Yes, it was uh, tailor-made for YouTube video clips before YouTube was a thing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so here's a fun fact. I was looking this up. Uh, so... Steve Buscemi has a really good cameo in this uh, particular movie here. Uh, at the time that it was filmed, he was 39 years old, which means you are currently the same age as Steve Buscemi in this movie, and <laughs> I am actually now older than he was in this movie. <laughs> that... And I ask you, 25 years later, can you believe it? <laughs> yeah, that's a scary thought right there. <laughs> yeah. He does not, I will say, I think he looks older than 40 uh, in this particular performance. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, he always, uh, I think, appears a bit older than than he is, but uh, he's very memorable here. Uh, He always delivers. He's one of my favorite actors. I really am curious to know why he and Adam Sandler became... Like he's in Coen Brothers movies, he. But like, how did he and Adam Sandler become? I, I looked it up. They've been in thirteen different movies together. It, are you kidding me? Wow, I, I'm not I kidding. No, I, I looked it up. I had no idea it was that many. Well, so I guess we should start with uh, Adam Sandler. You know, when he he came to have some kind of prominence, I guess early nineties with Saturday Night Live, and then the mid nineties was when his movie career took off. It was kind of the perfect time period for our. Uh, age group, you know, people really uh, around our age were like the perfect target audience for those Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore kinds of movies. Um, I guess my question to you is, were you a fan of his back then? Were you somebody who wanted to see Adam Sandler movies or not? I I wouldn't say, you know, he was someone that I was like seeking out his movies, but I I have fond memories of some of those early comedies of his. It's kind of this, that period before, his con his his content or his output seemed to become a lot more cynical. I guess over time, <laughs> he seemed just more invested into what he was doing at this point. And and you could even say that this this film might mark sort of the high point of that period in terms of it kind of feels like the culmination of a lot of the movies he did before, right? And Happy Gilmore is is a film that that stands out as, as something that uh, I, I enjoyed quite a bit back in the day. And I, I still think it's pretty funny uh, once every few years or so. But uh, I, I wouldn't say I'm like a huge fan uh, or someone that was really seeking out his, his films at that time. Interesting, because I, uh, I would say that I never actually watched many of his movies. I mean, I think I saw Billy Madison... 
And then I saw portions of this, and I don't think I saw any of his actual I, until like Punch Drunk Love. Yeah, I don't know that because I didn't watch The Water Boy right away. I didn't watch uh, Happy Gilmore. I only saw the first time ever in the last couple of years here. So oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. He just was not really my thing. Uh, but I didn't dislike him. I didn't have like an aversion to Adam Sandler. Yeah, and even to this day, I still don't. I mean, I think he actually's kind of got a bum rap, partly of his own doing, because like you say, he's. He seems very lazy at times, right? But he has talent, and Uncut Gems is another film of his recently that I really liked, where you see, like, if he commits himself to doing work, he can do something good. And I think watching this again, or maybe, if you will, for the first time from start <laughs> to finish, <laughs> I uh, I looked at this and said, gosh, this is a pretty solid, fun movie uh, for what it is. I mean, it, it is an era where he seemed to be actually caring or trying to be an actor, uh, yeah. a comedic actor, and a movie star. Uh, and so it was kind of refreshing to watch it all these years later, uh, having not seen the film for quite some time in any part at all. Yeah, and this this role kind of allows him to showcase a lot of his um, usual routines that he's known for on Saturday Night Live, you know, a lot of the little musical skits that he did, a lot of the songs that he did uh, made him pretty famous. And... I think he was able to sort of incorporate that style here. And you can tell when he's really singing and when he's not in this movie. <laughs> there, you know, the, the voice double they got is pretty good. Like, it's not bad, but it, it's very clear when it's the Adam Sandler singing voice and when it's not. So that that's one thing that's kind of takes you out of it occasionally. Uh, but, yeah, it's effective. It's 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 a solid romantic comedy. It's very paint, you know, paint by the numbers sort of screenplay. Uh, all the the beats you would expect are there. The uh, the villains you would expect are there. So it has kind of all the, the textbook components of a movie like this. But it, it's, it's really down to the chemistry between the leads uh, that determines whether or not something like this works. And I, I think Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler are really great together here. I mean, they, they do have um, pretty good rapport throughout the whole film. Yeah, and it's got a nice supporting cast, too. I mean, you're this is like movie comfort food or fast food. Yeah. I mean, it's you know everything in it. Uh, although I, I kind of say I don't think anybody was expecting Billy Idol to show up uh, <laughs> on the airplane and help save the day. But, I mean, it's, it's all predictable, but it's got enough variety in it that you're still engaged. And like you say, the, the people in it are nice. I also really like Christine Taylor in this movie. I mean, she's just a nice supporting part in this. Uh, the the 80s, you know, it's funny because I was thinking about how 80s became such a big nostalgia thing after this movie was released. But yeah. there was that brief little window of quasi-80s nostalgia in the late 90s. I think it was a little early for that to really take off. But uh, nonetheless, the... The movie has a very much a nice, good soundtrack. So, I mean, I like some of the 80s music, and uh, this is kind of just a fun movie to listen to, you know, and just kind of get into. So it's a pretty fun movie. Uh, nothing special, but, you know, it's a good, good, solid hour and a half. And, um, I, you know, it'd be a, if, if I could go back in time 25 years ago, I would have taken a girl to see this as, as a date. You know, that's exactly what it was made for. Yeah, and... and- the comedic beats are, are very, very similar to, like, Happy Gilmore and other Adam Sandler movies. I mean, uh, the screenwriter um, wrote a lot of his other films prior to this one, so there's a real kind of through line uh, that that I 
I feel like is present uh, between all those really Sandler films and just the way some of the comedic beats play out and, and kind of these little random side characters that show up and you have no idea who they are, like the old, old guy in the bar. Uh, th- those little moments like that, uh, Happy Gilmore's full of those as well. Uh, those are some of the funniest bits, I think, in the film. I love when the old guy goes to throw the punch <laughs> and nothing happens. He's like, I got old. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. Uh, like the, the actor who played, um, I should know his name, but I'm blanking on the actor who played Jaws in the James Bond films has a little brief cameo in Happy Gilmore. And the, those little one-off bits are what really stand out to me about a lot of Adam Sandler movies. And, and, and this film has a few of those too. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, just, it's also that era where comedies were pretty just light, quick, easy, you know, they, they weren't too self-important. And also it's, you know, this is 25 years ago now. So, I mean, there wasn't as much of the fear about the, the Twitter mob and online social media that, you know, you'd have all this stuff like, well, we have to, Make sure we make this run this joke through every single possible demographic group yeah. and consultant firm. So it's 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 a lot more hit or miss. You know, some jokes don't land, some jokes do, but you can set, get the sense they're t- just taking chances and we're having some fun things. You know, the John Lovitz cameo <laughs> as the as the rival wedding singer is fantastic. You know, he actually I don't know if you ever saw the old Saturday Night Live skit where he plays Metastopheles in a People's Court uh, appearance. I vaguely remember that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like he's doing the exact same performance as he did in that Satellite Lights yet. So yeah, but, uh, yeah. So it's good. So you mentioned the screenwriter, it's Tim Hurley, uh, who yeah, you said uh, did a lot of these movies. And Frank, I don't know if it's Karachi, Karasi. I don't know how he pronounces his name, uh, but he directed a lot of these Sandler movies. So it's kind of the a crew that Sandler had around him that made these movies and. Yeah, I think it definitely you can see looking back now, I think why it made him a star and why people really liked these movies and why they were pretty popular. Uh, and on that point, Matt, so our hindsight is 2020 question. Did the critics and audiences get this movie right or wrong when it came out? So it was a huge hit uh, with the box office uh, budget was 18 million dollars. It made over 120 million dollars. So it was a big hit came out on February 13th. So right in time for Valentine's Day. Uh, and then critics actually, uh, by and large, liked it. So if you go to uh, Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 70% uh, approval rating, which I think if you have like a curve for Adam Sandler movies, that makes it like 145%. <laughs> uh, uh, so, yeah, it's pretty well liked. Uh, you know, I think the, the critics, their consensus, as I just looked through some different reviews, is that it had the nice amount of sweetness as well as, you know, kind of the humor and the kind of crude, silly kind of humor along with it. So it had that right blend that they got for it. So what do you say? Did they get it right or wrong? Yeah, I think they got it right overall. Um, I, I think it's just, it's an effective, enjoyable, uh, romantic comedy. It, yeah, it's not too vulgar. It, it doesn't go over the top, really, I guess, with a lot of a lot of the jokes. So it feels pretty well balanced. Um, and I, I mean, it's the kind of movie, you know, exactly what's going to happen right from the, the opening scenes, right? It's like, <laughs> there's nothing like, like I say, it, it's cinematic, like comfort food. There's nothing unpredictable about this story. Uh, people want to see it play out a certain way. And, and this movie does exactly that. So on, on that level, 
um, yeah, I, I can see why it did pretty well. And it, it, it feels more, it's interesting that, that they said it's like sappier than other Adam Sandler movies. I, I think the way I would describe it is that it just seems a little more mature, even though <laughs> maybe maturity is not is still not a great adjective for this film. Uh, it, it just it feels more sincere, I guess, when it comes to the uh, the central love story. Because a lot of Adam Sandler comedies have kind of this romantic element to them. Uh, I mean, Happy Gilmore had that too, but this this just feels more genuine in a way. Yeah, I think they got it right. I mean, it's it's obviously I can see why if you were teens, twenty somethings, you'd go to see this movie. It's really quite fun and just quick and easy. Uh, if you're you know, Valentine's Day weekend, I can understand that was a big hit. I think, you know, the critics properly understood that this actually was, I think, a step forward for Adam Sandler compared to what we'd had before. Uh, when you think about things like um, Happy Gilmore or Billy Madison, where it was just kind of gross, crude comedy. Yeah. Uh, this has a different different focus, right? It, it gets a little bit more human, uh, which is nice to see, right? So I think they did get it right. Uh, but now going back 25 years, Matt, uh, the Stranger Things nostalgia question. What has changed, if anything, in our thoughts on this movie from when we first saw it? Well, as I mentioned at the top here, I never actually saw the whole thing straight through until just today. So I've had a lot of changes, in my opinion, since seeing it two days ago. <laughs> um, I I would say the thing I look at it now is just appreciating how Adam Sandler who's become a bit of a punching bag based on, you know, his Netflix movies and all those different deals he's made there. How much this film shows that if he really puts himself into what he's doing, he can deliver a good product, right? He can deliver a good solid movie, you know, with jokes that pay off and, you know, with a, a plot and it's not just product placement. It's just a good movie, right? And I think, that's what I, I, as I look back and go, wow, when Adam Sandler actually cares about something, it can actually be really quite enjoyable to watch him. He does have a real good sense of comedy. Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, I I, I can definitely say that the, the films of this era for Sandler aren't as enjoyable as maybe they once were uh, around the time they first came out. But, you know, this holds up pretty well. I, I actually still found this pretty enjoyable. And, you know, Sandler kind of strikes me as someone that had a lot of success early in his career and probably did very well financially and and maybe just doesn't feel terribly motivated to, <laughs> uh, to have a lot more output at this point, I, almost like a semi-retirement sort of approach to things. And that can be understandable in a way, I guess. I, I mean, you mentioned him doing... Um, uncut gems recently so he still seems interested in in coming back to particular projects um if they uh if they capture his interest but um yeah it's it's something that i feel i feel like maybe has lost some level of appeal just because i'm a semi-old man at this point um, but it, it holds up surprisingly well. Well, hey, we're we're the age of Steve Buscemi in this yeah, movie. That's so right. <laughs> we are getting to be old men. All right. The Walt Kowalski get off my lawn question. What would Gen Z th- think if this movie were released today? Would they consider it boring, offensive? What are your thoughts? Uh, I, I think they would like it, especially with the 80s nostalgia. I mean, that era maybe has passed a little bit at this point. I mean, uh, 
I, I still feel like there's quite a bit of energy kind of devoted toward the 80s as being this sort of bygone golden era for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I do remember some elements of my early childhood uh, during this decade and, and think of those times fondly to a degree, but certainly not pining for a lot of these things to return. So I, the whole 80s nostalgia thing has always been kind of bizarre to me. Uh, but be that as it may, I, I think on that level alone, uh, it would it would resonate. And and just the fact that it's a, a solid romantic comedy. I mean, I think every generation enjoys that to some degree. I think they'd be a little confused by some of the things, you know. So Billy Idol, I don't know that they would know who he is much anymore. Yeah, a couple not. of his songs they would know, but I don't know that they would know. I, I bet you, like when a... <laughs> When a Gen Zer watches this, they would like go to Google right away. Is that really Billy Idol? Because <laughs> I don't know if they would actually recognize whether it's Billy Idol or an actor playing Billy Idol, right? Uh, so I think there'd be things like that where they might not get it. Uh, I, they might really find some of the jokes even more funny now, like the the CD joke that it's hey, it's a CD player, right? It's this idea of this new cutting edge thing that nobody knows what it is, yeah. and now it's totally gone. Yeah. So there's certain <laughs> things like that that they might find funny as well. But I think overall, you know, Adam Sandler seems to be able to maintain a lot of popularity still. So I think they he'd be it'd still be well received by a younger generation, uh, even if though the '80s nostalgia piece. It was interesting because watching it, you know, the '80s nostalgia here doesn't seem as manufactured as it does in things like Stranger Things, yeah. probably because the people that lived the 80s that made this movie were already older and kind of young adults or you know not kids and so they didn't have necessarily the same feel of the 80s the way maybe everybody else did you know 20 years down the road from this movie Mm -hmm. um i don't know but it does seem like there was a different i did get the sense it felt a little differently how it it presented the 80s it didn't feel quite as uh look at this look at this look at this right yeah there was a little bit of the you remember this thing like Someone in the background talking about Jr. being shot in Dallas and or on Dallas or whatever stuff like that, where they sort of pepper in these little references. The Michael Jackson costume, yeah, right, yeah, the moonwalking, and so the, there is some of that that remember this sort of elements uh, to it, but uh, nothing too obnoxious. And now the final question, Matt, the Kevin Feige franchise question: Does this movie deserve a belated sequel? I, I would say no. I mean, <laughs> be kind of a stretch to to try to make this into a franchise. I mean, I think the best romantic comedies, especially of this era, feel like you know standalone movies and and should should stay as such. So, pretty simple simple answer to that question. You know, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to say yes because I like the idea of seeing what Robbie Hart would be as a wedding singer in today's world <laughs> where weddings have become so different and he's like the I mean so people so few people even get married anymore so so yeah I mean I would be interested to see how would you make a movie about a wedding singer cuz I deal with lots of weddings regularly just through work and it's just amazing how different they are from even 10 years ago so mm. To see a guy who got came into his prime in the '80s now still trying to keep it going, I don't know. I think I think it'd be funny just to see like he, him working through like a PPP loan or something like that. Yeah, rivalry uh, with a, a DJ. I suppose a DJ would be the villain, right? 
Yeah, exactly. It's like him versus Apple with the playlist. <laughs> <laughs> so him versus an I think iPod, I, I would have fun with that. I would have fun with that. So. Yeah, that would be kind of interesting, uh, actually. All right. Well, hey, Matt, thanks for getting together. Great to talk to you about this. And we will be coming back next month for another movie from 1998. For those who are listening, uh, if you like our podcast, please subscribe. Leave us a review on wherever you get your podcasts.